Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Welcome back to the Hardwater Fishing Show, Season 5, Episode 7, First Ice. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're also going to have an interview with Erica from WAM, Women's and Women Anglers of Minnesota. So we're pretty excited to talk to her, too. What do you think, Jeff? Glad you agreed to come on. It's going to be awesome. And yeah. I'm excited about, I can report about ice fishing, not just gear, but real, actual ice yeah, fishing. Yeah, you're... I don't, um, yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> it's gonna be seventy this week down here. Um, oh my gosh! And did I say it's the third week of December and we're talking like seventy? Yeah. Not looking good for me prior to Christmas fishing in Iowa, at least where I'm at. Um, the river had skimmed over and now has unskimmed. So we're going. That means the water temperature. I mean, the water temperature is rising instead of falling. So that's that's not good. Not, not good, good at all. Well, it's about. I have to drive about an hour from my house to hit fishable ice. The twenty so. third uh, of December is a day off. I have that day off at work, and I am going ice fishing somewhere. It's gonna be a drive up to it me. Maybe huh? <laughs> just me and my spud bar <laughs> looking for ice. That's what it's gonna oh be. Gosh. I'm just gonna. Point the compass north and go. That's what's going to happen. Anyway, what are, you, what are you drinking tonight? So I have, it doesn't have a story, which I'm a little disappointed in. It's kind in, of a trend breaker from five years or four I years, know. whatever it is. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a story, and I was going to actually look it up, and I, I ran out of time. But I am drinking Oatmeal Milk Stout mm-hmm. from Bra Brothers Brewing, established in 2006 from Marshall, Minnesota. And it is called Moo Juice, M-O-O-J-O-O-S. I know I've said this before, but we look for very different things in beer. But go on. I actually had this last week at a restaurant, okay. and it was quite tasty. Okay. It's a very good dark beer, and I really enjoyed it. So we're going to crack it open here. I had a good sound, good sound. All right, so Jay, what kind of old man beer you got going on tonight? I tell you, this this one here, my friend, has been a long time coming. I I would not have it before me if it wasn't for uh, Olson, not R. Olson, not you know Oli Olson, but the second. I can never get these guys straight, so it's the did, second Olson. This the. Did you get? The, did you see the, the clarification the on this? On so this would be. We got a breakdown of the Olies. This would be uh, not the big D, but the the next Olson, next Oli down. So this is this is from Jeff, courtesy of Jeff, when you're at the fishing show, gave me a six pack of this lovely beer. Well, it doesn't have a story, but let me let me break this down for you. It was established in 1902. It has pictures on it. It's got a mountain. It's got a some guys with barrels, some people eating. Um, a guy with a shield. I don't know. Those, I don't know what them guys are doing. It sounds very complex. It it it's a very complex, very complex taste. It's pure. It's genuine. It's old style, Jeff. Classic. It's old style. Nice. Oh, so nice. There we go. Every bit as good as I remember. It, and it's truly an old man beer, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, no doubt there. Can't be argued. No, no argument there. No argument there at all. So, yeah, it's. Well, awesome. Oh, and I. Because I can't find it around my house anywhere anymore. So, I had to import it. <laughs> it's so old, they don't even sell it in I, Iowa anymore. I know. I don't know. <laughs> they must have some sort of stock somewhere else, like in a mountain cave or something. <laughs> leftover where is old style made is it in milwaukee wisconsin or something you know I, I i did know that at one time i don't know it off the top of my head i think it was made in in uh, wisconsin but I, I wonder if it didn't move to illinois um i can do a mm. quick google search I, tr- I tried to uh yeah where's old style made 
The brand is from La Crosse, Wisconsin. That's where it was first brewed. And uh, the company is in Wisconsin. Or in, in it's actually in Chicago now. Do you know what else is in, in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin? What's that? The world's largest six-pack. Really? You don't say? Yep. It's there. Well, hang on. I'm looking at some more news. It moved it, back to Wisconsin. No, you didn't. I don't know. Well, I'll have to report back on this. This is getting more complicated. And since this isn't a beer show, we'll have to come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked up Muju's Milt Stout also. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's no story, but it says there is an imperial taste to it initially, just like before. And then chocolate, 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 a really nice thick stout. Like all good styles, it needs to be warm. Ooh, warm? This is... No, this is on Untapped, which is like a beer site. No. Nope. We need to move off of this. Yeah. Next. <laughs> we we want to thank our patrons for their support. Hardwatershow.com backslash patron. So we're excited for those folks that support the show, um, both just in listening and also the ones that help financially support the show. So that's cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Jason, I, I got some feedback from from. Aaron on this. I saw your notes. That's why I didn't say it. I know. So she has informed me that patron not Patron is tired. <clears> and it's old. tired. Now we just call it patron. We probably have a lot of things that are tired. <laughs> My f- so, so no longer are you a Patron. You will always just patron. be a patron, and which is awesome. And thank you for supporting yeah. the show. You know, we could come up with a level of patron where we would send them Patron. I don't know if we It'd can. Be pretty high. There's, there's that whole alcohol part. I don't know how that works. Um, I don't think we're. I don't think I don't we're know. regulated. <laughs> Nobody would want to regulate us. <laughs> I don't think we're regulated. I think we're okay. I think we, long as they're over the, you know, maybe they'll have to send us a copy of their driver's license, social security number, mother's yeah. maiden name. <laughs> Got to get a snow bear know. somehow. Do they have? Do they have? Do they have NA NA Patron? Yeah, <laughs> non-alcoholic yeah, Patron. It's, it's like uh, Mister Clean, I think. Anyway, oh. <laughs> don't drink that. No, don't, that's a don't. joke. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yes. Yes. All right. I got to clear that up. All right. So show business, Jay. Um, we have our Amazon affiliate yep. link. Um, it's a link on our page on hardwireshow.com. Use that. Helps the show a little bit. Gear, otherwise known as swag, t-shirts, that kind of stuff. You can find that at hardwireshow.com slash merch. And you can find us on social media and Instagram and Facebook primarily is where we are active. Yep. Uh, and, you know, we got our website, hardwireshow.com. YouTube. Jason, you been there nope. yet? All right. <laughs> and you can email us at hardwatershow at gmail.com. Perfect. Do we have any? So there's some fact fact checking. I heard there was some fact checking. I heard checking it was occurring, but I haven't received any notification. Well, I mean, we do have this this Oli clarification. Yeah, we do. Do you have that in front of you? Do we need to read that? I, I do. Because I struggled I the, with it earlier the, when I was trying to describe the, the, the beer, and you just kind of let me, you just let me flounder. I mean, I was concerned. I was doing a verbal crappy with... flop, and you just let me flop. <laughs> I was concerned because it said it starts with Jason was correct, and that hurt me. I love that. That I should put that in a quote. It hurt me a little bit. Well, you should be used to According, it. This big D <laughs> is the Oli, is what we have here. The Oli. Uh, the other Oli is most appropriate for the person that provided your old style today. Oh, the other Oli. Okay. Other Oli. He said, because nobody really calls him Oli. For now, because he provided old style, he is the Oli nearest and dearest to my heart at the moment. (laughs) And then um, this is is the good part. So little Oli is how I'm often referred to. So to me, Oli, I would always call Oli is little Oli. Our Oli. Yes. But then there's also a... Next generation Oli that's actually in the picture, and he is also Oli. So many Oli. So, so there's a lot of Olis. Oh, and then there's one other wild card Oli. So, so there, <laughs> there's another Oli. So there's a lot of Olis. So, Good lord, yeah. we could do a whole show just on the family tree. That, <laughs> that situation. So, All right. so that was the fact checking. Um, oh, yeah. Second thing, and this is from Oli. 
who I would refer to as Oli, but apparently some people refer to him as Little Oli. <laughs> Anyways, he said Dave should have used aluminum studs in his wheelhouse build. Northwest Dave. Aluminum studs. Yep, that's what he said. That is the fact check of the, the show. Huh. So th- those are the clarifications, I, not from our primary fact checker, but um, our primary fact checker said he was too busy doing other things. Yeah, I think he's, I don't know, we're going to have to rib him about that. I mean, really, we depend on that fact checking. Unfortunately, there's a, maybe not. there's a thousand text messages between me and that that quote, but he was busy. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's fact checking. So we're now we're on to listener news, current events, and geez, do we even have a fishing report? We do. We do have a fishing report. I have multiple fishing reports, but we'll see what we get through. I have a detailed fishing report for me personally, but there's a couple okay. uh, rumors and that kind of thing. So we're going to start with rumor and innuendo first. <laughs> I think we should start with what's on the the show notes here, Jay. It just says long rods, December third, outdoor news. Yeah, so this was like this bent my mind, Jay. Like, and, and I don't know how you'd think about this. And it amazes me. We've been doing the show for five years, and you would think like we've talked about this stuff, right? Like we've talked about longer rods many times, right? But this is something I'd never heard of before. Um, there was an article, uh, Vic Ataro, or Atardo, I believe is how you say his name. Um, he had an article about long rods and there was a lot of detail in there. But the thing that like really struck out to me was he likes long rods because he doesn't like to cast a shadow over his hole. Like he believes like truly, and that now, I mean, I've heard weirder things. He believes that you will catch more fish by not casting a shadow over your hole that it scares the fish away. So maybe that sounds like a really lake specific concern. Well, and, and if I you're, yeah, I mean, if you're in shallow water, clear lake, yep, no snow, yeah, sunny day, yep. And could you just move yourself around like a sundial? Yeah, that would be one way. Like, I mean, versus carrying like, you know. Depending on your rod case, you can't carry a six foot digging stick with you. <laughs> yeah. six, six, they come in different pieces. I mean, you go to the boundary waters and you got little collapsible things. I suppose. I guess you could break it down. Or if you're bored, you could work on casting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say it's not something I've thought of before, but it's no, certainly I, not I something I would totally discount either, right? No, I, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I, I, like I said, I do think. If you're fishing, you know, as clear ice and you're fishing shallow water or a bright day or clear, you know, really, like I said, certain circumstances, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I've talked to guys, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I listened to a presentation at a fishing show where they talked about a lake where they learned that they didn't want any lights in the ice shack on. Sure. Because it spooked the fish. Because it was a shallow lake and clear water. So I don't know why a shadow... I mean, a shadow would be a natural natural predator-type response. I'd love love to hear from other people. It just... Is is this guy a trout guy? Because maybe that's something different. No, this was not trout. No, no. Not trout, just regular little walleyes, huh? Now, the next person I'm sure you've heard of, um, Jason Mitchell... I'm sure you've heard of yeah, him before. Yeah, it sounds vague. It sounds a little familiar. <laughs> so again, in that, that same... Is he a race car driver? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you going to stand next to him at a nice fishing show and not realize who he is? Maybe. Probably not. Yeah, I would Because I'm... You know, I don't get out much. He had an article about shallow walleyes saying, hey, if you can catch walleyes shallow in the summer, you can probably catch them in the winter in the same lake. But a couple interesting things he talked about that I could relate to was um, electronics. And this is not being as useful in shallow water. I never thought about this, but your cone is so small in five feet of water. They don't do much for you. So Matt and I, um, my younger brother and I had a long conversation about this. He has this lake that he insists on fishing that is like five and a half, six foot deep. It's up, up by where we go. Mm Mm-hmm up by Duluth, it's like a swamp with a 
river that runs through it. But he insists there's walleyes there, and of course he's trying to put his sonar down. You know, yeah, and yeah he's looking at a two-inch piece of lake bottom. <laughs> he's banging him on the head with his with his transducer. I know, like <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So, you know, but so the, so this is where I think panoptics would shine sideways because you're looking forward under the ice and down versus straight down sure so this is where i think the lot the hummingbird 360 panoptics live scope those those technologies would shine and i'm trying to convince matt of that so he'll buy one yeah well but i don't think it'll happen but but i i, did, I never thought about it but you know they're just saying in five feet of water i mean they're not as useful not that they're unuseful but they're not as useful no i I would, I mean, you're going to have, it's going to be right on you before you. Right. Yeah, that was um, the point. Like, you can't see very far. Um, he also talked about noise mm-hmm. being a big deal, and we'll talk even more about noise. And then, but he actually talked about it in a pro and a con. Like, sometimes the fish can be attracted to the noise, and we've seen that, right? Is that ones like they're used to, it's like when you rattle the food bowl for the dog? Yeah, I don't know. It's a heavily, heavily fished lake. They know you're going to throw a minnow down there and not set the hook right. But but I've seen it many times, or we've seen it, where somebody pulls up on a four-wheeler or a snowmobile, all of a sudden a fish bites. I know. Right? Well, I've got an answer for that. Oh. Yeah, we're, but we're going to talk more about noise later. Yeah, we are. Don't let me forget that, okay. that point. Remind me of that. We'll come back to it. I've, I've got an answer. All right. Um, Jake from Wyoming sent us... Uh, we talk about bobbers and bobber stops a lot. Kind of a weird little sub area I spend a lot of time in, right? And I, I, uh, I did try out those new bobber stops or new old bobber stops, the little clip-on yeah, yellow ones. And, worked and? great. Worked perfect. You got them to work. Yep. Is, so the key was that new pliers you, they got yeah. to support too? No, I could put them on okay. in my house and they were ready to rig, so I didn't have to fight with them out in the ice. But but yeah, they worked great. So. But uh, he said he uses the uh, small red and white bobbers, just the little, you know, classic clip-on bobbers. Okay. And he said those work great. And I don't have to deal with bobber stops. So, so. Well, how do you reel up your line all the way? Yeah, see, that's where I would struggle. Like maybe in like two feet of water, you can just pull it out. But I don't know. Um, well, he gave a description though. It says it here. Okay, get the certain depth you want. Grab the line. Make a loop in the line and twist the loop two to three times. Hook one side, either or, of the bobber to the twist at the bottom of the loop. Once you set the hook, the bobber pops off the line. Huh. The only downside is if you leave enough slack in the line, the fish take the bobber down so far it may pop off (laughs) under the ice. So it, like, comes off off. So, yeah. So I guess it gets out of the way. Well, that's. I I almost feel like I'm a visual person on that. I maybe need a video of how to do that. Well, we need to get. We have those little. That's like one of those not videos where I just look <laughs> at it and I'm like, "What kind of magic is this? <laughs> what kind of magic is this?" <laughs> I I think we should try this though. It, it sounds like interesting. I don't know if I'm still right. like sold. It's going to switch me to do it this way, but yeah, good to have another. Time. But but if you know, sometimes you you've got what you got. Yeah. So. There you go. All right. So this is a good one. Um, Nevada Dave wrote us and bought a Clam 360 insulated hub and wants to know, how the heck do you tie this thing down? So it was very windy last year, and the clam would have blown away. So I, I guess my interpretation of this is I put a stake in the ground first, and I hook the loop, the strap that comes off the side of the shack, and hook it to that. So the clam, does that have, so the clam I had, and I haven't had a clam for a while, but it had anchor points inside the shack, not outside the shack. But I bet it's still got guy lines outside the shack. Yeah, if it's new last year, they all have guy lines now. So that's what I would say. So to answer his question, you would want to start with the guy line, not the internal thing. So you'd attach a guy line outside the shack to keep it anchored in the wind and then pop it up inside and anchor it inside. Literally, right? like when I do this, I put an anchor in the ground, 
even before I pull my shack out, right? The mm-hmm. shack can be in the bag. I put an anchor in the ground. Then I take the shack out of the bag. I take the guy line. I put it on the anchor and then you're good. It's not going anywhere and you pop it all open. And I don't usually even attach them to the ice unless it's like insanely windy. Like I don't use the skirt ones. I just use the guy lines and it's good enough. Well, I mean, we fought with yours a little bit last year up at Northwood Dave's that windy day. I mean, remember how windy it was? It was we actually ended up tying it up to the four wheelers. It was real it, windy. Um, we couldn't even, but we did not have a drill to put the. We didn't the ice anchors in either. Nope. And the ice was so rotted they kept popping out. That was the problem. Is it was warm and the ice was so rotten they would just come right yeah, out. Yeah, it's too windy. Yeah. For the ice to hold. Yeah, and remember we. Uh, we <laughs> the ice was so bad that by the end of the weekend we couldn't fish anymore and we had to uh, skip the four wheeler across the edge of the ice to get it in. So yeah, yeah, but we don't talk about that. No, yeah, of course not. Gently drove the four wheeler. Well, whatever. We just went quick, yeah. so it didn't. I mean, we the ice was shot by the edge. I mean, we were sitting on yeah. lots of ice. So yeah, plenty of ice. All right, so that's what you do. You put an anchor in, you put a guy line in, and then you set the rest of it up, and you're good to go. All right, so you want to talk about this generator, right, Jay? No. Yeah. Ideas. So we got a we got an email from a fellow, uh, Gary, who wanted to talk about the impact of generators, augers, and ice cleats on fish. Um, so this fellow was looking at using a gener a home generator. So I'm assuming it's not a quiet generator one of those ones that like Um, you can hear from like the next neighborhood it's so loud and makes lots of noise yeah yeah so it you know he was wondering about essentially the basis of the question is how does sound impact fish so we've been kind of talking about this a little bit on and off so when we had the short rod show guys on remember last year we were talking about the panoptics and how when they drilled they could see fish move yep and so I've watched some videos this year of that exact thing. One was a live, the 360, the Hummingbird 360. And it was, it was cool. So he's, he had these fish, these crappies on the, on the scope, right? And you could see them spread out over 30, 40 feet away from him. So then the guy started drilling holes, and you could see the fish being herded by the hole drilling. Hmm. Like the cloud like was kind of a... It was kind of a long string of fish, you know, throughout this basin. And as he drilled holes, the, they kind of clumped up and moved. So I got to believe, you know, that the, and that's just an, an electric auger. Which is much so quieter than a gas auger. Much, much quieter than a gas auger. And they were not, I mean, they were in 20 feet of water. Right. So they were um, certainly not like they were fishing six feet, you know. So, but the thing that did happen as well when they stopped drilling, the fish filtered back into the area, right? That that they had been. So, to answer the question, yeah, I think a generator loudly ringing on ice all night is going to impact the fishing. Um, how much? I think it's impossible to know that. Once you know, if it runs all night, do the fish just they're no longer spooked by it and they just chill out? You know, and they just go back to doing their normal thing and go, gosh, I wish that would stop, but they don't care. I don't know. And he's talking about cusk. Yeah. Um, so eel pout, right? I believe that's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's eel pout. So Colby told us of that. Yeah, yep. So I, I think that is, um, you know, so he came up through our conversation, Gary came up with, hey, I could put it on a small island and run the cord out. I think that'd be the way to do it. I think if it's not directly on the ice, yeah, I think the noise is going to transfer less. Yes. I think it's a, to me. I don't know. Do fish hear or do they feel vibration? Do we know? I think that's a question for another podcast, Jay. Because <laughs> I don't know. We'll the have answer. to research that and get back yeah. to it. Because I don't know if they because they don't have whiskers. Well, catfish do. Yeah, and they use those. I think, but we don't fish for a lot of catfish. So I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll get back to you on that. But I, I am, so we had talked about, I'm rambling a bit, but okay. We had talked about earlier in the show, you said, how come when someone comes up, all of a sudden do I catch a fish? Yep. Right? I think because that fish was like six, seven, eight feet away. Because that four-wheeler, the guy pulls up like 10 feet from you. He usually doesn't, you know, 
pull up right next to you. And so that moves the fish. The fish start moving. So now you have fish moving in through your area that were 10 feet or 15 feet over the other direction. And they see your, your bait and they're like, hey, something to eat. And you get, a, you get a bite. That's why. Same thing why when the guy drills a hole right next to you, all of a sudden you quit catching fish. But sometimes <laughs> when they drill a hole 20 feet away, all of a sudden you catch fish. It pushes the fish around. And so when you're fishing big community lakes, I think the, all the activity, you know, we think, oh, the fish are moving in and out. I think we're moving them in and out yeah. a lot of times just through our activity in that area. What do you think? That's my theory. Makes sense. To me. It's like you're, when you go deer hunting and you're driving, you know, you go for a deer hunting drive and you walk through the woods and the deer go a different way, right? Well, we've had that where you run tip-ups for Northern and all of a, you run a snowmobile down the tip-up line and all of a sudden you get a, a flag. Yep, yep. And that I think it's because that Northern's just hanging out, yep. right? Do, 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 do. And then he hears that noise, so he takes off and he's like cruising. He's like, oh, quick shot, grabs a bite. There you go, you got a flag. Something else I think about with this is, you know how sometimes we really struggle. Northwoods Dave will just sit on a spot and he'll end up catching as many fish as the guy who... Drill, 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 move, 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 you know, yep. combat fishing, like just push, push, push. And, you yep. know, maybe that's why. Maybe, you know, the you can't bring the fish to you if you're moving too much. You're driving them away, right? You're like, well, you're, yeah, so, you're pushing them. So that that's the thing. Like when I, when I fish typically now, I'll stop and I'll drill – like the hole where I'm going to sit yep. and I'll drill three more sure, or four more, kind of 10 feet, 20 feet, whatever around me. And then I'll, I'll move amongst those before I drill a new set of holes. Yep. But I think sometimes if I'm impatient, I don't give that first hole long enough. Right. Because I've, yeah, you know, to the point of I've moved the fish a different direction, Right. I guess. I don't know. I mean, and then you got to start thinking, okay. How do I herd these fish? I don't think you can herd them. I don't think you can. Well, can you? Can you fish herd? So can you find a hole that's open, right? Maybe somebody already drilled a hole there. Yeah. And then, like, walk 30 feet around that hole and, like, drill a big circle of holes all the way around the one hole and see if you can chase them all to the center? I don't know. It it sounds like a theory. (laughs) If you had a live scope, you could test that. You, You could. That's why you should get one. Yeah, well... They're still in the four thousand dollar range, so there's still there's still more than some of the cars I own. Yes. So <laughs> Yes. All right. Not yet. Not today. So the last So that's that's our sound. That's my sound thing. Yeah, so so what we've taught you is we know that sound affects fish, but we don't know how. <laughs> we know it affects them, but we don't know what that means. Well, we know it makes them move. We know it makes them move, but we don't know if that's good or bad even. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. We know that. But we can't control. (laughs) In reality, we can't control which way they move. No, but if you had a bunch of live scopes and some mathematicians, you could certainly come up with some solid theories. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Alex sent us uh, this bass. Jeff, I sense you're moving on. I'm moving on. Moving on. (laughs) We we could talk about noise for a lot longer, and we probably will again. So don't worry. All right. So Alex sent us this picture of this very oddly marked bass had like big black spots on it like but not like wormy spots right like like this was markings on the skin like camouflage but very big yeah looked like he got in a fight with a sharpie (laughs) that's how yeah that's a good way to explain it right yeah yeah and and yeah so that was a really cool looking bass um you know the side stripe was kind of looked like you know like my ekg a little bit (laughs) You know, not like really up and down. It was like digital camo. Like it was like it was like yeah, it was, was like, like square blocks that were kind of like digital camo. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was a cool looking fish. You know, so I, my guess was that it had to do with a stain with the color of the lake. And he said it was pretty pretty stained water. Yeah. Um, it still was pretty unique. I mean, I've never seen a bass that looked like that. No, it was super cool. Super cool looking well, fish, and I'm sure it was a blast to catch, especially if you're, you know, if you're on pan, pan fish uh, tackle. Yeah, I mean, he he did say, yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome fishing trip. So, cool. 
All right. I can't say I've experienced that this year yet. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta we gotta put her into top gear here and get through. We got we got a ways to go yet. That's okay. It's our show. We can do whatever we yeah, want. Yeah, you're right. All right. All right. So I found this cool new lure, Jay. It's called the Snyder 360 Death Roll. I mean, you need one. You know what I just got an image of? What? It was like a northern wrapped up in a rapple in about four feet of line. You know how they do that yeah. snot roll? Yeah. Yeah. Is it like that? No. It's So That's it's good. supposed to simulate a dead minnow, like death roll, so... Um, it's cool. I want one. I don't know. I, I was going to order one and then I remembered that I have like a thousand other lures and I don't know. I need to try those out first. Um, they, so it's a vertical jigging spoon with a little blade on the bottom. Yep. Yep. But okay. it's supposed to flutter or roll a certain way when you drop it. That's different than like a real okay. spoon. So, um, I was going to order one just to try it out. Just haven't done it yet. And they recommended using those snap snap on things which i used this weekend and were awesome so yeah i want to hear about those yeah. all right so you can find those at snyderlures.com we haven't tried them yet so if you buy one tell us about it your mileage may vary yes all right the next thing i saw the ruffian snow bike you and this bike thing no it's like a snowmobile it's like a track on the back and a ski on the front is this going on a dirt bike frame uh, i don't know you just buy it it's, it's called the ruffian snow bike you go buy it and it's like yeah. a snow dog with a ski on the front that you ride okay you got a balance then. yes but they show people ice fishing from them so it looked pretty cool so I'm go looking at go right look at some online. youtube videos it's pretty cool ruffian snow bike that's kind of a neat looking critter isn't it it's like a snowmobile it's like a motorcycle but they put a track on the back and a Ski on the front, but they said it's the size of a pit bike, which is usually pretty small. So. I would look pretty ridiculous on that in ice gear. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just got a visual. Oh, my gosh. Did you? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> You'd fall over, and you weren't sure if he was going up, fell over or not. So, yeah. Yeah, let's see. I'm look. I'm reading. Okay. I have to look. Professional use only, not a bolt-in setup. Hmm. This looks like it takes some engineering. Well, I don't know. People are ice fishing with them, so. Yeah, looks cool. All right. You should get one. Yeah. One other thing I remembered, I was putting some new fishing line on, and one of my reels takes a lot of line. It's a bigger reel, which I kind of like, and I've started to prefer the bigger reels. But I remembered that I had some Suffix 832, which is actually some really good line, um, backing it. So I took off my floral, which only came at 75 yards, which is plenty for ice fishing, right? But I didn't have the whole reel filled with line. So you can just take off your kind of end and throw it away and tie your uni knot back on there. And then you have 75 yards of floral. And then the rest of it's just backing line. So Okay. That makes sense. You can save some money. You know, you probably would even do less. You could probably split that between two reels if you wanted to. Sure. I and mean, how often do you use that much line? So. Well, and you don't need that much floral on there either. I mean, nope. you just need... Yeah, you wouldn't need seventy-five yards just to do a nope. uh, leader, basically. No, yeah, I mean, in in the floor, I went floral this year. I just did a bunch of my rods and six palm floral, Berkeley trialine. Um, I bought that P line, but it said only coated in floral carbon, and so I went back and got some Berkeley trialine. It was on sale at Cabela's, and I had Cabela's points, so I literally bought yep. my line and it was free. So. Berkeley good for you. six pound. Yeah, it was good stuff. And then um, I did a bunch of uni knots. So practice my uni knots. It's good. But that that fluorocarbon line is definitely harder to tie knots with. You know, I thought maybe it was just my fidgety with the uni knot, but mm -hmm. I did the trialing knot and I still kind of struggled with it too. So like it broke or slipped or it's what? just really stiff. So you know how oh, okay. mono is really supple and kind of bends easy and yeah. stuff? Like Yep. Fluorocarbon just always wants, it's like stiffer. So it doesn't want to bend and like you try to loop it around and it wants to go back straight again. And it, it's certainly harder to work with, but. So you're using six pound tests for your panfish rods? I just use six pound tests for everything. Just, just one size fits all. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have 20 rods, you know, so, so yeah. And it's supposed to be invisible and it's got a little weight to it. 
yeah, I don't. I, can you see it? I mean, yeah, I can see it. Why can't the fish see it? I don't know. Just what they say. It's supposed to be better. Huh. Okay. Um, one other thing, kind of a review thing. So I used my line cutters, right, that we talked about last week that we got at the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So How'd that work? It worked great. It cut through that 20-pound 832 suffix backing line that I had, like butter. The only kind of hard part that I found in using it is it cuts lines super great. But, you know, I like to get my knots and the, t- the tag end of my knots really oh, close sure. to the... I, I see where you're going with this. It is very, oh, I will say, very, very difficult to get that line cutters in there to, to cut it right the tag end right to the knot. So then you got this like little guy hanging off the side that probably doesn't matter, but I don't like it. I, I like to have my knot just go right to the thing and not have a tag end that's very long. So so then you almost need a clippers and a line cutter. So now that's what's well, frustrating. And and I found that, you know, for six palm floral, you can, uh, uh, the cutters, the, the uh, tweezers are just fine and then you can cut real close. So. I don't know. I mean, it has its place, but it won't be my only tool to cut line. Okay. Well, thanks for the update. I That's a really good point. I never even thought about that. You wouldn't until you started doing a bunch of line and knots, and you're like, this is annoying. And, and you can get close, but it's really hard. And, you know, you can take those. I use those uh, Rapala tweezers. You can use any tweezers, but I have those Rapala tweezers, and I, you can get right to the knot, and it's super good. I like them. So. Yep. And for six-pound floral... They work great. Now, that 832 suffix, those tweezers don't work very well, but I don't really fish with that very often. Six pound is probably the upper end, right? Yeah, oh yeah. For the fish you yeah, for the fish we catch. Yeah, for the fish we catch. I know Aaron reminded <laughs> me, she's like, Wow, have you ever searched for outfish Jeff? Hashtag outfish Jeff. There's a lot of pictures out there. And I'm like, oh great. <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing I ever started. <laughs> All right. So that's what I had for gear. <laughs> Any other gear stuff you wanted to cover, Jay? I'm going to skip past the outfish, hashtag outfish Jeff. So. <laughs> that should be the name of our ice fishing contest. Um, there you go. No, I don't have any other gear things because I haven't okay. done any fishing. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about first ice. I did get out and I got a, had a couple updates from the ice fishing reports perspective. Um, so... Got out. I had to drive about, yeah, I drove about two hours north. I could have drove an hour north. I decided it was, I even called you, Jay. I was like, do I go to Mille Lacs or do I go to Lake B? I know. B? You were very indecisive. So I ended up going to Lake B because I go to Mille Lacs quite often and I wanted to find some crappies is really what I was looking for. And so I drove, it was like an hour and 45 minutes from my house. So um, we'll just call it, you know, West Central Minnesota. It was, I didn't catch any fish. <laughs> It was not very. This is a place. You didn't catch any fish, not even a one? I did not catch one. This is a place where I have fished for crappies before, and like literally, like, you know, you catch a ton of them and they were really nice, right? I mean, you you would get your limit for sure, Mm -hmm. right? And many other people got their limits too. But I think that might be the problem. There was a couple older, older guys out there and they're like, yeah, this thing's been hit pretty hard. You know, it's it's not a secret, and I suspect there's some people that, you know, catch their limit, go back to their freezer, and then come back and catch another limit. I mean, oh. I, I don't know that. I don't know anybody that did that, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I, I suspect that that fish population got hit pretty hard. So, Or you're just blaming that on your lack of fish. <laughs> well, there was fish there. They would nibble, and I could see them on my, my, my fish finder, but I couldn't get them to bite. We were on about, I don't know, I would say I almost measured a foot in one spot and another spot maybe it was six inches. There was this big crack that was super sketchy. So I started walking okay. I started walking towards this crack. I'm like, well, it's just a crack. So it had snowed, we'll say four days before I got up there. So the lake had some snow on it, right? But this particular spot had no snow. So you're like, well, you know, there's no snow there for a reason, right? And I'm like, it'll be okay. So I have my spud bar. I'm like jamming in, you know, we've plenty of ice, right? Like, I mean, there, like I said, it was way more than three whacks. Like we're talking six inches ice. You're not going to get through that very much. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I start walking towards the crack and it starts making noise when you walk on it, like cracking noises. And, and I decided that just wasn't good. 
<laughs> like, I'm not a light person. When there's no snow there and you start walking towards it and you hear it all around you, you're like... It's just settling. It's just settling, yeah. Well, I was by myself and I didn't want to find out. So I walked around the crack. I found a spot to get around it. You have your ice picks with you? Yeah, ice picks. And my, yeah, oh, I was okay. full on safety. Um, <clears throat> even I even planned ahead. You know, I had my one man flip over shack that was super great and lightweight. And mm-hmm. I didn't even actually use it as a shack, but um, it has a long rope on it also, right? Kind of, you know, sure. I mean, I got some rope there, but I. So did you, uh, do you have a float suit now, Jeff, or not? I, I do not. I do not have a float suit. I have a pair of Frable bibs I bought. A few years ago that are like rock star awesome like that's right they're the most comfortable things i love them <laughs> and i have a columbia jacket that's what i wear usually so okay all right um the other thing was there was three other two or three other groups out there one of them had live scope and they caught as many fish as i did <laughs> at least i never saw them pull one out of the hole so um they'd be like oh there's a pod over there there's some fish over there so did they then they go drill a hole over there and they wouldn't catch yeah anything. they wouldn't catch anything the fish were not the fish were not biting and there wasn't a lot of pressure I mean I think there was a lot of pressure at some point but there wasn't a lot of pressure when I was out there there was maybe two or three guys out there wasn't a big deal so huh um, I did hear my brother-in-law Brian was up at Red Lake and they got a limit of fish up there while I so should have gone to Red yeah it's four hours I had one day. So, so I drove for four hours, two hours there and two hours back, but four hours there and four hours back is yeah, a little... That, it's a lot. That's It's a lot. The drive there is not a problem. Yeah. Like, you can get jazzed up, but then you're on the ice, you get up early, you're on the ice yep. all day, and then you hit the warm car and you're tired and usually disappointed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, then you're just hating life on the way home. Yeah. Why yeah. did I do this? Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know. So I think people are catching fish on red. Um I think Oli um, told us also that I think he was on red this weekend too. Um, and he said it was kind of a so-so fishing. So so I think people are catching fish up on red. There's ice up there. They're driving four-wheelers out, I think. There was four-wheelers on the lake I was on all over the place. So. Six inches, yeah. Uh, and like I said, it was six inches. I mean, I swear it was a foot in spots. It was, But it was uneven. There was that big crack that you, and there was a couple spots that seemed... Like, you know when you see ice and you can still see the ripples from the waves? <laughs> it's kind of disconcerting. <laughs> Even though it was yeah. fine, it just, for some reason, there's a mental thing about, oh, there's snow on that ice, so I can't see it. Even though it's not as good ice. I don't disagree. I, you know, you get on three inches of clear ice, which is more than enough to hold you, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a little unnerving it is you put snow on that same three inches of ice and you're like oh okay I'm good. yeah i'm good i'm good but but tell you tell you just tap the auger button and you're through and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah yeah oh boy no i mean there, i did i did not feel except for that crack thing i felt very comfortable out there um but i had my ice chisel i was banging on it right away so yeah so that was i was happy to get out uh tried out the gear and you know i tried what did i try i fished with a uh pinhead minnow Tried a pinhead minnow. Okay. I tried a frosty spoon, pink and white. I usually have good luck with frosty spoon. And that is a spot where I've caught many crappies with a frosty spoon. I fished with some different jigs, just some different like tungsten jigs. I tried a dead stick. I tried, um, I mean, I, tr- I threw the tackle box at them, right? I mean, did you have like live minnows and stuff? I did have live minnows, but this was the disappointing thing. I tried plastics. Okay. Because I went to the really only bait shop that's on the way and you know, had the plan to stop there and they were out of waxies. They said it's but Holy cow. they're gone. No waxies. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm trying plastics today. <laughs> so That's crazy. Yeah. They had some I got some crappie minnows, but but they didn't have any waxies, so I tried plastics. Huh. And no luck. No luck. But I I mean, honestly, I don't know. Maybe if waxies were the thing and I just didn't have them. But, I mean, they you'd see the fish. I took a picture of it. They like, they just stare at my food. You know, like nice big marks. And they would just, they'd come up. They'd look at it. You'd jig up. It'd come up. Then they'd go away. And they would. St- That's where the, cam- the camera's kind of fun yeah. to see, like, what's looking at you. Yep. That would have been good. That would have been good. So, 
Yeah, so that was uh, my fishing expedition. You know what, though? I didn't catch fish, but it was a beautiful day. Um, the drive was easy, and, you know, I mean, I got out. I, I guarantee you had more fun than I did. I was insulating my basement. Well, I mean, I could have, like, done anything <laughs> more fun than you did, so. <laughs> so, well, you'll get out, Jay. It'll uh, happen. Yeah, I've got I got a day on the calendar. I'm, I'm going. Sweet. I'm going. It's going to happen. All right, do you want to introduce our uh, our uh, guest? So, yeah, we're going to talk to Erica from Women's Anglers of Minnesota, and they are have an upcoming ice fishing tournament that the, she's going to talk about, and then just we're going to ask her some general questions about their program and what they do. Awesome. Looking forward to that. All right, so tonight we have Erica Blagan with the Women Anglers of Minnesota on with us. Erica is the tournament director for their upcoming fishing tournament. And so we wanted to get her on the show and ask her a few questions about fishing and about the tournament. And we're really, really hoping when we get to the end, because we didn't tell her this part, that she'll have an ice fishing story or ice fishing legend story to tell us. But we'll give her throughout our questions uh, some time to think about that. <laughs> she is a central Minnesota person, grew up in the Minnesota area and um, has been fishing for a good part of her life so we're pretty excited to have erica on to regale us with fishing stories and information and about the tournament welcome erica good evening so tell us about this upcoming ice fishing ice queen fishing tournament is what it's called tell us about that well it's put on by the women anglers of minnesota or in other words wham for short it's kind of a partner between clam and wham They've been a sponsor for us for many years, so they've been helping us out with this since the beginning. Last year, we had over a 1,000 women sign up for this tournament. It is a free tournament um, through Fish Donkey, virtual throughout the whole United States, any frozen water. It's a lot, a lot of fun. There's over almost six grand in prizes right now, up to 20th place we've got this year, so should be a ton of fun. That's, that's really, so do you have different categories or is it like largest fish or how's it, how's it all work? We've got a stringer of crappie and walleye. Okay. So Erica, that tournament sounds really neat. I, I should back up a little bit though, because I, can you tell us a little bit about Wham and, and who you are and what you do and, and um, help set the stage for that? I'm sorry. I should have started there. Yeah, of course. Um, so Wham has been around since 1977. Um, we've got a little over a thousand members. Currently, we just actually signed on our thousandth member at the St. Paul Ice Show. That was a ton of fun. What we're about is women and children in the fishing industry, getting them into fishing. Um, we're also a community in which uh, women can come to as an educational program and competitive opportunities. Uh, we learn, learn with each other, help each other out, build our confidence. It's um, really kind of a family, more or less, of women who, who lean on each other to grow in the industry. That sounds really cool. So is it located or based in any one particular area in Minnesota, or is it spread, have chapters throughout, or how's that all work? Most of the women are in the metro area, but we do have women as far as way up by Lake of the Woods, South Dakota, North Dakota, um, even as far as New York. So we're, we open it up to anybody that wants to join. So you don't have to live in Minnesota to be part of WHAM? No, you do not. Well, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So uh, Jeff was was looking around and he he sees that you have a master angler program. And as part yes. of that, he saw that you caught a pretty significant fish. Do you remember do you remember about that? Does that ring a bell? Um I'm going to assume you're talking about the sturgeon that I caught on the St. Croix last year. Yeah. Tell us yes. about that. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, I didn't know it was on the Croy, but uh. it um, was pretty close or could have been the new state record but unfortunately I did not have a measuring device to measure the whole fish in, in one photo so 
Yeah, so that's, you, not a, that's not a bump board. I keep a 77-inch bump board in my boat. No. So it's not something usually I have. <laughs> Though I am thinking about ordering one now. A little late, but wow. maybe I'll catch her again. So 77 <laughs> inches long. Is that is that what I saw? We were able to give a definite 77, but we, we were thinking it was closer to like 79. Wow. Wow. So, so how long did that take you to get in the boat? Actually, we were fishing from shore. I had taken oh. um, a coworker of mine who's now one of my very close friends and her stepson and his best friend out fishing. Okay. So two, two younger 13-ish boys and my friend, it took all four of us to get this fish on shore. Wow. He, you kind of catapulted to legend status in those boys' minds, I would imagine, catching that <laughs> Yeah, fish. they actually both caught master angler fish that evening too, so it was quite the night. Wow, that, that's, a, that's a legendary night for sure, doing that. Is your favorite fish to target muskie? I think I read that somewhere, or Jeff knew that. Jeff, how do you know these things? Where did you find I, this I do some research. You probably <laughs> on stalked me on, on the internet, I'm sure, right? Yes, Sorry. I went on the the Women Anglers of Minnesota website, and it has all this great information on there. So that's where I got it. From. Yeah, that is the, we have our own Facebook page too for members only. That's, that's a super fun time to follow. So it's a, mem- a members only Facebook. So it, it helps with, um, there's a lot of junk on the internet, right? So that helps just yeah. limit it right to, to your group. That's a good idea. Yeah, just our members. It's a, it's a great place for people to post, hey, is anybody going out fishing or asking for advice without getting um, a bunch of garbage answers, I guess, if you if you were to post it on, on a bigger site. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So do you, you don't ice fish for muskie, do you? Is that a thing? Can you do that? I actually have wanted to, but I, I can't quite find safe enough ice on a lake that has muskie before December 1st. So because oh, we able to do oh. it. Yeah. So because it closes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, maybe Canada. This, Canada? Maybe Canada. But I bet yeah, their season is their season different in Canada? I think it is, yeah. yeah. I've actually never been up to Canada except for just crossing it in the boundary waters, but mm. someday. So, so usually, usually we don't talk about musky fishing on this program because it's not typically ice fishing, but we'll make an exception for you. <laughs> I actually us. have about 10 different species. So I fish for just about everything. What's your, okay. What, uh, what's your favorite species to target through the ice? Probably sturgeon. I would not then, know the first thing about doing that. So it's super easy. It's okay. Now you're talking about crawlers on a hook with a weight and you just sit there and wait. You say a ball of crawlers, a ball of crawlers, night crawlers. Okay. So how do you know where they live? Like I wouldn't know the first thing about it. I'm a complete novice for something like that. So if I want to go out and sturgeon fish through the ice with, I have my, my leftover night crawlers in the refrigerator. My wife's very enthusiastic about that. <laughs> where, where do I take them? Really, um, anywhere in the Stillwater and Bayport area is where most people fish. And you can literally walk out there and there's shanties everywhere. Just go drill a hole and plop your line down. They're, they're all over out there. Um, I've actually seen posts about people up on the rainy starting to catch them now, too out there. So I've been kind of thinking about heading up that way, to be honest with you, because the St. Croix isn't safe yet. So what size auger do you use for that? I actually just picked up um, a seven and a half inch K-drill in which you drill multiple holes. So you drill like three or four consecutive holes together. Okay. Um, last year I had a smaller auger and it, did, it didn't go very well. So we'll just say that. <laughs> oh no. So, so I'm curious about you, you said a ball of crawlers, how do you like, what kind of hook or how do you keep like more than one night crawler on a hook or how does that. I've tried, I've tried a couple different ways, um, either like a big J hook or 
um, like a heavier tungsten spoon with like a treble hook on it. I've seen people do both. I've tried both and I've, I've actually caught them on both, but you just kind of thread the worms through the hook. I usually do like four or five of them. You gotcha. just got to make sure to um, keep the mud puppies off of your line. There's tons of them out there. Wow. I've never caught a mud puppy. Those, those are, they're weird looking things, aren't they, Erica? Yeah. I'm not very squeamish, but I don't like touching them. They're just a little, little out, out of the uh, earthly realm for me. They're kind of like a weird looking salamander. They kind of remind me of a, a cross between a fish and um, those salamanders that you used to always see in the springtime in black. Yeah. Yellow spotted ones. Yeah. Yeah. With your out sturgeon fishing, what, what's a good day on the ice? Like, how do you measure success sturgeon fishing on the ice? If you catch something. <laughs> okay. So like a one fish day, two fish day, and any fish day. I've had anywhere from zero fish days to like five, uh, but I've, I've heard of people catching way more than that. I just, I live a ways away from there. So I don't get out there nearly as much as I'd like to. Sure. Okay. So do you ever catch other things while you're trying to catch a sturgeon? You're like, I wish, well, mud puppies, other than mud puppies, yeah. like, I wish these things would stay off my line. A couple of years ago, I had my locator down there just kind of watching to see if something came through and I started seeing a bunch of marks suspended. So I actually put down a, a crappie minnow and I cut a 15 inch crappie out there, which was kind oh, of a God. surprise. It was those St. Croix crappies are huge, not only lengthwise, but thickness wise. It, it had to be, I don't know, three quarters of an inch, an inch wide. I, I can stay, say with authority, I've never caught one that size. They're, they're a lot of fun. Jeff, what's the biggest crappie you've caught? Oh, not big enough to bother measuring it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've got 12 inch crappies, you know, yeah. I can, I can feel the hashtag outfish Jeff coming, but you know, <laughs> so there, there is a, a hashtag Erica that we've been working on. I I've cultivated carefully ever since we started this show. It's just hashtag outfish outfished Jeff. <laughs> so you're, Could you're, be. Couldn't be that hard, right? No, you're welcome to add it to any time you post a fish picture. Just throw that on there for me. I'd be, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for, for Wham, um, going back to your ice fishing tournament a little bit. So that's, I think you mentioned that set up through Fish Donkey. So people just, they can take a picture of the fish and, and register it through Fish Donkey. And they're Correct. ready to roll. Now they they have to have a bump board for that, right? Yes, they do. Um, any commercial bump board. So you can't like take a two by four and stick a piece of wood on the end and put a sticker on it and call it good. It's got to be a, a manufactured bump board. And so what is the grand prize for that? Is there a top prize and what's that look like? There's actually 40 prizes. Um, and then we also have like wild card prizes for random measurements of fish every week and then weekly giveaways our top prize is first places for the crappie and walleye division are both a ladies clam ice fishing suit the the new one that just came out this year so oh nice that is a great prize nice That's to keep warm out there yeah i've uh, gotten to see them and they're they're really nice suits anybody that wins it is going to be super lucky you know, I suppose you can't win it being the tournament director, though. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to be pretty busy verifying fish for a month straight. That, Jeff and I did a show, I don't know how many seasons ago it was, Jeff, probably one of our first seasons, where we talked about ice fishing gear specifically made for women. And at that time, there was like, maybe it was just Clam or Striker. I forget which one that made gear. And that's really yeah. taken off now the last couple of years. There's a lot more options than there was, but mm -hmm. boy, in the very recent times though, I mean, that wasn't even a thing to try to find good gear for women. It's nice to see Clam supporting that. DSG also helps us out a lot with Wham and, and we are giving one of those away for a second prize. They're a all ladies outdoor apparel company. And that DSG? Correct. Okay. See, I've never heard of that, but you know, why would I? 
Unfortunately, well, neither neither my wife nor my daughters ice fish, so I don't I don't get to go shopping for that very often. Bummer. <laughs> I know. So, so, so I know. Jason, maybe failure of maybe my part. That time you were on Lake of the Woods and you and and Sherry was with you. And and she was wearing a jacket that was made of down, and she leaned over the heater, and the whole place turned into feathers. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, it, she hasn't gone since. That was the end of that. Yeah, so probably if she would have had the proper gear, maybe she would go with you more often. Oh boy! I would not hold my breath. <laughs> so if if people, if you wanted people to know something specific about Wham in in that program, what what would you want to share with them? What would be the most important thing about that program for you? Most important thing. It's kind of a, a hard question to put in a short answer. Honestly, to me, Wham, Wham is my family. I lost my grandfather on one side of my family that fished and my grandmother on the other side of my family. That was my rock. She um, was a huge part in my life. And after losing them, I didn't, I didn't really have a family. Um, both sides of my family is kind of disintegrated and and didn't get together nearly as much and we didn't do stuff so meeting these ladies and being a huge part of wham has been very heartwarming there there's so many kind ladies in this group that no matter who you are they're going to accept you and if you have questions they're not going to judge you for for asking something that some people would think is, you know, beginner, easy question. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're a great group of women. And if, if you've been thinking about joining, join. If you don't, you know, go to half the things and you just want to hop on the Facebook page and ask a couple questions. Cool. Um, if you want to be full-fledged member and show up to everything, you're going to find a great group of women that, that are going to be there and have your back for anything. That's that sounds just remarkable. I I really appreciate you sharing that with us. That that's quite a quite a testimonial for the group. So as we've talked, have you thought about a ice fishing legend or story for us? <laughs> legend or story? I've been trying to think about one. Okay. Like I have multiple of them, but none of them are super legendary. I do have one pretty funny story actually. I think that I'll share. Um, okay. Ooh, that sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I mean, we got through the sturgeon already, and that's pretty legendary I know. of itself. So we should have saved that I, one to the end. But I have tons of legendary fish stories, but there's no time to talk about all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last year, actually, I early ice out on Malax. I decided that I was going to drive my, my little Buick front wheel drive car out to like the second break out on Malax, and I got stuck not once but twice. This cute little old guy came out of his shack and pulled me out twice. It was just a cluster of a night. Nothing was going well. It was windier than shit. I didn't bring anchors to anchor down my shack. It was blowing all over the place. I tied my chair onto my shack and I had a six inch auger and it was probably 16 inches of ice. Had a rattle reel out and one line that I was jigging. And I just saw this huge mark come in. It was just sitting there. I'm like, that's got to be a pike or an eel pot or something. It's just sitting there staring at my, my sucker minnow I had down there. And it took my rattle reel, took out tons of line. I'm going, this has got to be a pike or something. I started reeling it in and it's this massive walleye. I had to reach my arm all the way down into the hole because it wouldn't come up the six inch hole without me pulling it. Oh my gosh. So wide, it would not fit up the six inch hole. Rolled up my sleeves, reached down there, pulled this thing up. Um, it was just unbelievable moment. I'm, I had my phone out and I'm like, this thing is going to eat. I'm sitting there watch the mar- watching the mark. And I got it on camera as it took the line. That's actually my biggest walleye that I've caught in my master angler for wham it was how big was it 27 but the girth on it was huge i don't think i've ever seen a walleye that fat before so it was pretty fun that's a heck of a story that's a legend (laughs) that's a great legend 
overcame Buick, sure. perseverance. The bat, the Buick. Did you say Buick? Yep, the, the Buick the plus Saber. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Now, if you have a picture, send it to us. We'll put it up on the with the podcast if you've got. Oh one. yeah, for sure. We'd love to do that. So thank you so much, Erica, for sharing that and sharing information. Anything else that you, you think we should know before we, we sign off with the interview tonight? Sign up for the Ice Queen Tournament. Heck um, yeah. There's so many awesome prizes. I mean, I'll give you like a couple off the list here. We've got Amped Outdoors, Batteries, 13 Fishing, Black Betty, Pickle Sticks, um, some Custom Rods, Sven Sleeves. Bunch of stuff from Clam. We've got Eskimo, Fish House, PC Fun Reels, some vacations to Lake of the Woods. There's just going to be tons of great prizes this year. If you're if you're a lady angler, go sign up. The first 750 to sign up are free, and then it's five bucks after that. Thank you so much, Erica. I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. Well, thanks, Erica. We really appreciate it. I think that's all we've got for tonight, Jeff, huh? I think that's great. It was a great show. I got out fishing. We talked to Erica. Uh, hoping to get out again next weekend. I won't get out next weekend without water wings. <laughs> yeah. But for everybody else, tight lines. Cheers. Five. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.